Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. We receive your word today with meekness, and we humble ourselves for fresh revelation and fresh application of your word in our lives, that your word works mightily, effectually, and we receive your word, not like a man's talking to us, but like God, like God is talking to us individually, personally. And so, Lord, we receive the word, and that word becomes engrafted in us. Thank you for the word working mightily. We're not just hearers only. We are doers. We act upon your word, and we are blessed. And we trust the Holy Spirit to teach us, lead us, guide us into all truth. We thank you, Lord, for working in us today that we'll not leave here the same in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 Uh, we're talking about faith uh, in the morning sessions here, talking about faith and how faith works, living by faith, walking by faith. Uh, this morning, we're going to start off talking about the confession of your faith. And so if you weren't here Sunday morning, that's kind of where we started on Sunday morning. So we're going to continue Monday morning on the confession of your faith. So I look at two, two main passages of Scripture, two main passages of Scripture. One is in uh, Romans chapter 10, and the other is in Hebrews chapter 4. So two main passages of Scripture we'll look at. And in Romans chapter 10... Um, he talks about the word of faith, and he calls the gospel the word of faith. The gospel is the word of faith. Every once in a while you'll hear somebody criticize the word of faith people, and they really don't know what they're doing because the Apostle Paul here in Romans chapter 10 calls the word that he preached the word of faith. And number one is it um, produces faith. The word produces faith. That's where faith comes from, by hearing, hearing the word. And number two, that word is applied by faith. So you receive the word. How you receive the word, he calls the gospel, the word of faith, produces faith. And also, it is exercised by faith. Amen. And so Romans chapter 10, we'll start in verse 6, where he says, but, but the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. In other words, being made right with God because of faith, not because of something you do, but because of something that Jesus has done for you. And so he says, this righteousness, which is the righteousness is of faith, and it speaks, it speaks. If you go up earlier in the chapter where he's still talking about righteousness, he talks about um, the Jews, verse 2, he says, I bear record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. In other words, he said, they're really excited about God. He said, but they just uh, are ignorant or don't know. In verse 3, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So he says, God's way of making men righteous is through faith, through what Jesus has done for you and through the power of his blood, faith in the blood. And so he goes on down and says, And the righteousness which is of faith speaks this way, Say not, 
in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith that we preach. He said, the word is near you. He says, it's even in your mouth. Word of faith must be in two places, in your mouth and in your heart. And he says, um, here is the word of faith whereby we are made righteous, whereby we are saved in Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with your mouth, he talks about the speaking part, confess with your mouth. The Lord Jesus shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. And then again, Romans chapter 10, verse 10, he says, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This is talking here about the confession of your faith, which Christianity called the great confession. And what is that confession? He says, With your mouth you confess the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that means everything Jesus has done, that he is Lord, and you confess Jesus is Lord. This is the confession of Christianity. It's called the great confession. But uh, if you speak of just the word confession in most churches, most places, people think you're talking about the confession of sin or failure or defeat or struggle. But really here he's talking about the confession of your faith and we've got much, much more evidence of the importance of the confession of your faith. And he said, it is that confession that precedes salvation or it becomes how you possess the promises of God, how you possess salvation. And that confession is that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Now go to Hebrews chapter four, the, the Lordship of Jesus Christ, who he is, and all that he's done for us, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Amen. To understand his lordship, the significance means he's the absolute supreme authority. He is Lord. Amen. He is victor, champion, supreme authority. Amen. And certainly he is my Lord and my Savior. You would confess Jesus is my Lord, my Savior. But actually everything he's done for us, you could in include in that confession. We'll see that in just a second. So Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. Here, verse 14, he says, Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passing through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession." So he says, now you see what Jesus has done for you through his death, resurrection, and now, now this confession would include the present-day ministry of Jesus. Amen. So you got the confession of your salvation. Well, this is still a part of your salvation, which is the present-day ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is your high priest. He represents you to the Father God in the presence of God. He's your high priest. He's also your advocate. Amen. He's your advocate. So you do a complete uh, confession on Jesus' present-day ministry. So he says, now hold fast to your profession, which is really the same identical word as the word confession. Same word. 
and they put profesh. Well, the only reason they did that is because the word confession means say the same thing or to agree with. And the reason they put the word profession uh, is because it includes the speaking part of your faith, but it also includes that it's a full-time job. All right, let's try. In other words, you are, that's your profession. Or uh, I think Andrew Murray says that faith becomes the chief occupation of your life. All right, that means anything else you do with your life, you could be a doctor, a lawyer, you could be um, in business. Anything else you do with your life is secondary because faith is the chief occupation of your life. Make your, your marriage, your family, your children, your whole life, your lifestyle centers around your faith in God your faith in the Lord Jesus, and there'd be no way that your children could mistake how important that is. Amen, because it's your profession. And the other way I like to say it is that you become a professional at faith. If you're a professional, that means you can make a living at it. Right? If you're an amateur, you better keep your regular job. But if you're a professional... <laughs> That means you are so good at it as a professional that it becomes your whole lifestyle, professional. I'm a professional of faith. Well, if you're a professional at golf, then you do that regularly. You even have a coach because you're making, you're so good at it, right? And you don't want a doctor to show up for your surgery, you know, with a trailer behind his truck and a weed eater and a lawnmower. You know, in other words, he said, I, I'm not really good enough to, for, to be a professional at this, so I do yards on the side. Now, you really want to find a doctor that shows up in a Mercedes because he's good at it. <laughs> Amen. He's good at it. He's, he's a professional. And so, as a professional, uh, uh, then that's a regular daily thing. As an amateur, you just play golf on the weekends. So, some people only practice their faith on the weekends. But if you're a professional, you practice your faith daily. That means you're thinking about it. You're talking about it. Amen. You're getting better at it. Praise the Lord. If you're a professional. So I like what Brother Copeland said. He said, um, you know, he went to Oral Roberts University. And the, uh, he said, when I met Oral Roberts, he said, he's the first man I ever met that knew how to use his faith on purpose. All right, in other words, once you learn that you're saved by faith, then you learn how to use your faith. And so here he says, hold fast to your confession of faith. And again, he's talking about the saying or the speaking part of faith. All right, let's see if we can use our faith on purpose. So that means you're going to have to go to Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24. Praise the Lord. Mark 11, 22, 23, 24. Praise the Lord. Um, so if the ladies start getting cold, maybe fix the air conditioner a little bit. Maybe they're not cold yet. Anyway, so leave it alone. Uh, <laughs> so Jesus in Mark eleven twenty two, 22, uh, Jesus said to have faith in God. 
I'm still amazed at these three scriptures, Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24, that every time, I, every time I read them, I'm still amazed at them. And every time I read them, I think I can still learn more about having faith in God. Or uh, four times the scripture says, the just shall live by faith. So you're not just getting saved by your confession. If you're living by faith, you're going to live by your confession. Amen. I'll show you some of the laws of your confession in just a second. But um, he says, Jesus answered, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Other translations say have the faith of God. One says have the God kind of faith. And I was actually preaching in um, Athens, Greece one time, and I explained to them the Greek said have the God kind of faith. <laughs> they said, yeah, we know that. <laughs> All right. So don't, don't show off how smart you are in Greece. So. You know, that's where donuts were first made, right? In Greece. You didn't know that, did you? Anyway, all right, let's go on. I've told people that. So I was just in Greece. They said, wow. I said, it's amazing. I said, you know, that's where donuts were first made. They said, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, in Greece. So have faith in God. <laughs> I did get one laugh out of my wife, uh, but she gets paid. So have faith in God. <laughs> have faith in God. Or have the God kind of faith. Well, if you can have the God kind of faith, then you get the God kind of results. Right? And if you could have the God kind of love, which we're called upon to love like Jesus loved, well, you could also have the God kind of faith. So when Jesus said, have the God kind of faith, uh, and then he's going to tell us exactly how the God kind of faith operates or uh, my favorite translation in this verse kind of throws in something different for people to think a little different that Jesus said, lay hold on God's faithfulness. So really your faith in God is a, a response to understanding his faithfulness. His faithfulness is a major description of the blood covenant. God's faithfulness. In other words, you understand the faithfulness of God. You see the blood covenant. And that's when Abraham went to what, uh, what Hebrews says, full assurance of faith. That means you can't doubt when you understand the blood covenant. And so Abraham said, Lord, how shall I know that you're going to do what you promised me? And God came down and made a covenant with Abraham. And he said, now I know. Because he basically made that covenant with us and with himself, right? So to understand faith, you really have to understand blood covenant. Lay hold on God's faithfulness. So part of that blood covenant would be uh, where Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And if you look at that in the Greek, it actually is such a strong terminology that, that I will never, ever under any circumstances leave you, nor forsake you, nor abandon you, or leave, or leave you without appropriate help. He said, you never have to question if I left you. He said, so that you can boldly say, now here again is the saying, part of your faith, so that you can boldly say, so not just say it, but do what? Boldly say what? The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Well, apparently God wants you to say that. 
what if we just put some other blood covenant truth in there and say, the Lord is my healer. I will not fear. Amen. Amen. <laughs> put some other in there. The Lord is my righteousness. The Lord is my strength. So he said, you now, your response to, to the faithfulness of God is you say. You say. In other words, uh, your faith has to get your mouth moving. Let's try it again. Your faith has to get your mouth moving. In other words, faith speaks. So if you're going to live by faith, come on, your faith really begins to kick in when you start speaking. So it could be at 8 a.m. in the morning, could be 9, could be 10. You might want to wait to 12 or 2 or 3. But the sooner you can get your faith working, the better results you're going to get. Amen. So you just start to say, the Lord is my helper. Amen. Any of y'all need help? Well, I can look around. I think so. Anyway, so the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Amen. Everybody say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man could do unto me. The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So I am strong. I'm strong spiritually. I'm strong mentally. I'm strong physically. I'm strong financially. I am strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. Amen. So if somebody asks you how you're doing, what would be your first confession? No, what would be your first confession? How you doing? Say, I'm strong in the Lord. The Lord is the strength of my life. Praise the Lord, I will not collapse. I am strong. So he says, let the weak say, I am strong. Praise the Lord. They say, well, you don't look strong. You say, well, I am strong. My looks will have to change, but I am strong. Amen. I'm strong. So your confession produces that possession. Amen. All right. So now let's go back over here. In other words, lay hold on God's faithfulness. So go to Mark eleven twenty three. 23. Praise the Lord. Jesus is going to make um, faith or living by faith so simple that he said anybody could do this. I've been around a lot of people in my life, and I've questioned their intelligence at times. But Jesus said, anybody can do this. So just because you can do that don't make you special. That just means you believe God. Amen. So he said, anybody can do this. And one of my favorite quotes comes from Smith Wigglesworth, who says, any person can be changed by faith, no matter how they may be fettered. And the word fettered is bound. Any person can be changed by faith, no matter how they may be bound. In other words, your faith has an application in every area of your life. Or you could say it this way, the devil cannot make a bondage that your faith cannot break off of you. So that would include what? Whatsoever would include every area of your life. Faith works the same in every area of life. So when I was a teenager, I thought, well, if I could, if I could learn how to do this, amen, and he said, anybody can do it. So here's what Jesus said about faith. And here's how faith works. That Jesus said, verily I say unto you. And he says that whosoever, whosoever shall say. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about how to have faith in God, right? 
So the first thing he says about faith in God is he refers to the saying or the speaking part of faith. Or you could almost say it this way, there's no such thing as silent faith. Because first thing Jesus said about faith and faith in God is your faith must speak. And so the same thing Paul said in Romans chapter 10, 6 through 10, is your faith must speak. That word must be in your mouth. So I said this way, if your faith is not strong enough to move your mouth, it'll never move your mountain. So let's see what, it, what Jesus said about it. Whosoever shall say, and then he says, unto this mountain, be thou removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass, he'll have whatsoever he saith. Now, how many times does he refer to the saying part? Well, anybody can see it now, but, but really it was pointed out by Jesus to Dad Hagen that he mentions the saying part three times and the believing part only once. It's amazing how Jesus can point out important things that, that you can scan over and totally miss. Or you can read it, miss. And Dad Hagen said, I read the New Testament through 150 times and I never saw what Jesus showed me. <laughs> All right, let's try that again. Amen. Because sometimes we think we're pretty smart, you know, have good Bible knowledge. And so he said, well, I, Lord, I've read, the, I've read the New Testament through 150 times and I've never seen that. And Jesus said, son, there's a lot of things in there you've never seen. So humble yourself. There's a lot of things in there you've never seen, right? And so the Lord can point it out to you. The Holy Spirit can point it out to you. But in this case, Dad Hagen, who that was his assignment, to go teach my people faith. That was his assignment. And he stuck with it, I can guarantee you. He stuck with it for 65 years. And you could go to one of his meetings, and if you went uh, one meeting in, in one place, one city went to meet in another place, in another city go to another city, he'd be teaching the same thing about faith in every city. And you'd be sitting there and say, well, don't you remember he taught that last week? He don't care, believe me. In other words, it's his assignment, so he just sticks with it. Amen. I'm sure glad he did because after a, a few hundred times of me hearing him, I went, oh, okay, all right, all right. Because the Lord can even work with slow learners. So don't look at anybody right now. But Jesus said, whosoever shall say. In this case, we call this the authority of the believer. And in this case, you cannot say that for somebody else. Now, if you're dealing with somebody in your family, then, then your authority will function in a certain area of your family. But here he's saying this works for the individual. The authority of the believer is your mountain needs to hear your voice. You need to hear your pastor's voice, but your mountain needs to hear your voice. Y'all still here? In other words, this is you individually exercising your authority as a believer. Amen. Praise the Lord. So whosoever shall say, I mean, if it didn't just work for the individual and the authority, then you could say stuff for anybody. But apparently Jesus can't say it for you. He said the believer is going to have to say it. Amen. So he can teach you how to exercise your authority as a believer, but even Jesus cannot exercise it for you. All right. Praise the Lord. Y'all, it's really quiet in here this morning. I said, you can teach. That's what Jesus is teaching. And so the illustration you get from Dad Hagen's book, I Believe in Visions. And if you read that book, and uh, 
uh, one of the visions that he had, he had seven visions from a certain, I think, 10-year period of time. And in one of those visions, Jesus appeared to him, was talking to him, and, and something, uh, a little devil jumped in between Jesus and Dad Hagen and was going yakety yak yak, and, and he couldn't hear what Jesus was telling him. So he said he just, he just stood there and this yakety yak, so he can't hear what Jesus is saying. He thought, well, surely Jesus is going to do something about that devil. And Jesus didn't do nothing about it. Finally, Dad Hagen said, I got frustrated. So I said, in the name of Jesus, you, you foul spirit, I command you to come down from there and get out of here. He said, the thing fell down, whimpered, and ran off. Y'all still with me here? So he said, Lord, why didn't you do something about that devil? And he said, Jesus said something that messed up all of his theology. He said, the Lord said to him, if you hadn't have done something about that devil, I couldn't have. I couldn't have. He said, no, Lord, I'm, uh, I'm sure I'm misunderstanding. You mean you wouldn't have? He said, no, I couldn't have. In other words, what he's saying is when I was raised from the dead, I delegated my authority on the earth to believers or to the church. If you don't exercise your authority about it, I can't do anything about it. But if you exercise your authority, I will back you up in heaven. Amen. So your authority as the believer. So the saying, so Dad Hank said, I had to say something about it. And then he said, well, Lord, you have to give me three passages of Scripture. So the Lord gave him all the Scripture. Uh, uh, resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Submit to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. In other words, Jesus didn't say, I'll take care of that for you. No, he said, you resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Amen. Um, the same passage of Scripture on the authority of the believer in the Gospel of Luke that, that Jesus said, nothing shall be impossible unto you. And you say to the sycamine tree, be plucked up from the roots. You know, I, I believe you and I have so much more authority than we exercise in our lives. I think some people waiting on God to do something about it when really Jesus already done everything he's going to do about it, sat down and gave you the authority. Now, what you going to do about that? Amen. What you going to do about that? What you going to say about that? Well, how much authority do you have? Well, Jesus said, whosoever say the mountain be removed, cast seas and not down. I believe those things he saith come to pass. You have whatsoever he saith. But then for your faith to work, he said, you're going to have to say, do the saying part three times the believing part once. So here's where the Lord said this to me. He said, the authority of the believer is not just some available accessory to Christianity. He said, Jesus is teaching you that. Paul's teaching you that because it is absolutely necessary. All right, we'll try this out. In other words, learning your authority as a believer, learning the power of speaking and mountains being removed, amen, is not just some accessory that if you want to learn that on the side. No, he said, if you want to be an overcomer as a believer, it is absolutely necessary for you to exercise your authority. All right, let's try that one more time. I said for you, you to be an overcomer, you will have to exercise your authority and you may have to do it every day. You may have to do it more than one time a day because your authority 
gives you a dominion over devils, demons, evil spirits, anything that come against your mind or come against your life in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now you say in the name of Jesus, so I'm exercising my authority. How am I going to do it? Well, um, he talks about a mountain here, but he said also work the same in whatsoever. Whosoever say to this mountain. Now, why did he say mountain? Because actually earlier he had just spoken to a fig tree. And now he's talking about you speaking to a mountain. Well, a mountain would represent anything too big for you beyond your natural ability. Amen. Anything that looks impossible. Come on. A mountain is pretty permanent situation. Amen. I've been to Colorado a lot of times. They're pretty permanent. Same mountains are there. <laughs> Amen. So he says when he talks about a mountain to you, he's talking about anything like you use David and, and Goliath, a giant, something too big for you. But notice that David, David said, said, said to the giant. What's he doing when he's saying? He's releasing his faith every time he says. He tells the giant ahead of time what he's going to do to him. Y'all still hear in other words? In other words, once you understand the word of faith, or you see the Bible in the light of redemption, then you see all the Bible stories you learned as a kid in a different light. Before that, you go, whoa, David killed Goliath. But after you learn the word of faith, you go, ha, I see how he killed Goliath. <laughs> and anybody can kill the same giant. Amen. Anything that looks too big for you. So he says a mountain. Praise the Lord. They're talking about a mountain. Something that looks impossible. Amen. <laughs> Something that looks incurable. Woo, praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Because Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to whoever believes. If you can do what? Believe. All things are possible. So what did the guy say in Mark chapter 9? Lord, I believe. Help me. You might need some help. Lord, I believe. How many believe the Lord can help you? Lord, I believe. Help me. Get rid of unbelief. Amen. So if unbelief is curable, nothing's incurable. So how do you cure unbelief? Number one is you cure unbelief with revelation knowledge of the word. And then number two is you cure unbelief by being fully persuaded to act on the word. To act. You're acting on the word. So faith is not just an act. It is an act on revelation knowledge. It's an act on the word. Praise the Lord. All right. So he says, say unto this mountain. So here you are looking at a mountain, something that looks impossible. And some people are so intimidated by the size of the impossibility that they won't even exercise their authority. They'll go, what good's that going to do? So they won't exercise their authority. So when you see the mountain, so the Lord told me a couple of things. If that's God's will for the mountain to be there, he wouldn't tell you to move it. People say, well, I guess that's just the will of God for me to live this way or have that situation. No, he told you to move it. So it must not be his will for that to be there. So you have to find out where, where the mountain come from. 
right? In other words, the devil will throw every kind of impossible situation in your path. And Jesus said, just move it. All right. So the Lord told me this years ago. He said, if you knew what was on the other side of your mountain, you would move it. In other words, don't camp out by it. Don't just stay there. Don't live by the mountain. Say, that mountain's going to have to get out of my way. I'm telling you, mountain. So you're not just talking to God about it. You're talking to the mountain or the thing that looks impossible. Praise the Lord. You talk to it. Which would include the devil, demons, evil spirits. Say, to the mountain, be thou removed. Praise the Lord. So he didn't tell you to move it to your neighbor's yard. (laughs) He said, it's not only going to be removed, it's going to go where? Cast into the sea. What does that mean? Well, that means it's going to be gone. Right? That means a couple of things. I I saw this. Cast into the sea means what? It's going to be gone. You didn't just move it over. Be gone. And what else? It's not coming back. Come on, did you know you deal with some situation in your life that when you exercise your authority the believer, that situation will have to change, the scenery will have to change, and it will not come back? All right, then the third thing the Lord showed me about this, he said there will be no evidence that it was ever there. All right, let's try this out over here. Come on. Let's try this out here. In other words, no evidence it'll ever, it was ever there, which could include a physical problem, could include a mental problem, could include some situation or habit in your life. He said, you have authority to move that. It'll go into the sea. It'll never come back. And he said, and there'll be no evidence you ever had that problem. That means you'll have to tell people your testimony for them to believe you ever had that problem. Oh, praise the Lord. All right. That means when the mountain moves, it's going to be a change of scenery. Be a change of scenery. Come on, it'd be like you you living in a in a new world. Because the scenery has changed. So I tell the people in Colorado, I say, you know why all these mountains in Colorado? Because all the people from Texas had authority, moved them up there. And uh, that's why they come up there. If, if y'all had any faith, y'all wouldn't have them up here. Anyway, so. <laughs> all right. For the scenery. Woo. Say, come on, begins with the saying part. Come on. And your heart registers. It registers on your heart. Your heart agrees with it, and you say, say, say. So the Lord said it to me this way. He said, many people want a change of scenery, but they're going to have to have a change of sound first. In other words, sound actually came before sight. How can you prove sound came before sight? Just read Genesis. God said, then he saw. God said, then he saw. God said, then he saw. In other words, we know the whole world, the universe created by words, by faith. And God said, and he saw. In other words, the sound came before the saw or the sight. So if you want a change of scenery, 
you're going to have to do something about the sound that's coming out of your mouth. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I so said, you're going to do something about the sound or the voice or the speaking part of faith because he shall have whatsoever he saith. In other words, it's not just something you said, it's something you saith, which will bring you into holding fast to your confession of faith. Praise the Lord. Y'all doing all right? All right. So Jesus says, here's, here's how faith works. And he says, number one, anybody can do it. Number two, it will work on anything. All right, let's try it one more time. Come on, have faith in God. Come on. He said, anybody can do it. So if you're raising children or kids, I raise my kids. That's the first thing I taught my kids. To this day. Come on. They know how to fight the fight of faith. They're not perfect kids, but they, they exercise their faith. Well, actually, if you read Hebrews 11, there ain't nobody perfect in the whole chapter. Some people expect way too much of people because they happen to be people, so you're expecting too much of people. Come on. And so you got Hebrews chapter 11, and there's just a bunch of failures in Hebrews 11. But how did they get in Hebrews 11? God must have been impressed with one thing. Their faith, come on, in other words, by faith, by faith, by faith. And, and I told the Lord one time, I said, if I was you, I would have edited the Bible because I wouldn't want everybody to know the problems that my kids had. But if you read the people in Hebrews 11 and then you read the Bible, you're going to find out these people had some problems. <laughs> All right, I better keep going here because I have a few other ideas. Now, the people had some problems, right? Yes, sir. Amen. But by faith, they got in Hebrews chapter 11. Who got in there? Who's the list of people who got in Hebrews chapter 11? And think of some of their problems. Come on, Noah had some problems. Moses certainly had some problems. David had problems they're still talking about if you go to Israel. So David had some problems. He's a man after God's own heart, right? Come on. Anybody else you can think of in Hebrews 11 had problems? Rahab had some serious problems. <laughs> Samson has a problem. He's anointed, but he has a problem. But he made it Hebrews 11. How'd he get in there? By faith. That's the only way you get in that chapter is by faith. So I said, well, how come you didn't edit the Bible? And the Lord said, well, because I wanted everybody to know 2,000 years later that no matter what kind of problems you have, if you have faith in God, it will make your life significant and change things for thousands of other people. No matter what kind of situation you're dealing with, because the devil will try to make you a failure, come make you uh, conscious of your failures. But if you're washed in the blood of Jesus, you know the word of faith, then by faith, you can turn every situation around. Amen. By faith. Praise the Lord. I mean, my kids, what, Trina probably knows better than me because I started training my kids when they're like two years old. A little bit, one, but, you know, get up two, and I started talking to them about it. Now, let me show you how faith works. 
two years old, three years old. Come on. You ain't going to be raised in my house. Come on, you think I'm going to let my kids be raised in my house and not understand faith? Somebody said, well, let them get it at church. No, they're going to get it at the house. <laughs> Amen, they can get some more at church, but they're going to get it in the house. And they're going to get it so good, they're going to like it. <laughs> Come on, so that's the number one thing you want to do, is teach your kids how to live by faith. Come on, or your grandkids. Or your wife. <laughs> Or your husband, <laughs> how to live by faith. In other words, faith's got to be right there because that's your, that's your profession. Your professional at it, amen? So he says, let's go back over. Jesus said, whosoever, here's how faith works. Whosoever, whosoever shall say. First thing he says about faith is what? It's going to have to move your mouth. Whosoever say in this mountain be removed, be cast in, shall not doubt in his heart. Other translation says, does not entertain doubt, which simply means you could have doubt in your head and not doubt in your heart. In other words, you can't keep all the thoughts from coming to your head. Come on. Thoughts will come to your head no matter who you are. In other words, when those thoughts come to your head, you can have doubt, fear come to your mind, but you have authority and you resist that. Because you have faith in your heart. So you have faith in your heart, faith in your words, and shall not entertain doubt in your heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Man, Jesus got a lot of nerve. Well, let's see if we can. I said, Jesus got a lot of nerve telling you and me that whosoever shall have whatsoever. Boy, that just makes anything possible, don't it? <laughs> Man, that just takes the limits off when he said whosoever shall have whatsoever. So it probably took me, you know, an, an initial joy at this authority of the believer, an initial joy. I'm like, wow, but it probably took me 10 years just to digest whosoever can have whatsoever. I'm like, well, that means whatever I'm facing, I'm not stuck here. Come on, I'm not limited here. I have authority as a believer, and I'm going to say, and I have whatsoever I say, amen, so that word is in your mouth. Woo. All right, now, he says, say three times, believe once. So here's again, the way I learned this from Dad Hagen is, Say three times, he said, you can actually school yourself into faith with your own words. All right, all right, all right. Go to Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 4, verse 17. We're going to see that this is how faith works. And hold fast to your confession of faith. Romans chapter 4. Praise the Lord. Y'all better say something. I've been talking about saying, and y'all sit there with your teeth in your mouth. You better say something. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Y'all found Romans 4, verse 17. Before we read verse 17, let's read verse 12. And this says, And the Father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham. I underline that in my Bible because here he says, that you can actually walk 
in the exact steps of faith as our father Abraham. So I went to Bible college, you know, and they'll say, you know, they want to get real mystical, you know. They'll say, well, faith is not a formula. Really. In other words, you just either believe or you don't believe. And you can only tell by the results whether you believe or not. No, he's telling you here there is actually steps of faith that you can follow the same steps that Abraham did and walk in those steps of faith. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on, that's a good guy's faith to follow, isn't it? Because he actually became the father of faith. All right, go to verse 17. And he says, uh, verse 4, that he said, uh, faith of Abraham, or we read verse 16, there it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to those only which are of the law, but also those which are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So Paul said, you better learn something about Abraham's faith. Oh, what's he say here? Verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. All right, let's try this one more time. We'll go on there. But he says, and the steps of Abraham, it says, before him whom he believed, talking about God, who quickens the dead. That means you're never too dead for a resurrection, I guess. So he gives life to the dead, and cause those things which be not as though they were. All right, let's just say it. I like to say it this way. God caused things which be not as though it was. So I was listening to Dad Hagen teaching on this some time ago, and he said, he said this is the most difficult facet of faith for most people to grasp. What, what? What's the most difficult to grasp? Because whatever it is, that's the one I want to work on. You know, if this is the most difficult facet of faith for you to grasp, even as a believer, what is that? God calls things which be not just like it is. Example, we call Abraham Abram to Abraham, God called him Abraham, father of many. How many kids you got? None. My favorite one I mentioned, I think, last night or sometime yesterday, is Gideon. When an angel comes to visit Gideon and says, hey, I'm sent from God. You are a mighty man of valor. There is no evidence he is a mighty man of valor. Come on, at this point, there's no evidence that he's a champion in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> he is whooped, and then he begins to give his argument. He says, I come from the worst tribe. There's never been a great person come out of my tribe, and I come from the worst tribe. I come from the worst family in the worst tribe, and I'm the worst person in the worst family in the worst tribe, so you better take that message somewhere else. 
Uh, so, so Gideon, God says, you are. He didn't say you have great potential. He didn't say someday you're going to be. He didn't say if you'll work hard. He said, God called and said, you are a mighty man of valor. Come on, so God will call you things. There is no evidence it exists. None. You say, well, how am I going to get in on that? The moment you agree with God. Come on, this is your confession. The moment you agree with God. <laughs> boy, that's where faith kicks in right there. When you say, "Woo, I'm just going to say what God has to say about it. For one thing, I know God cannot lie, so it must be the truth. So I'm going to agree with God that I am who God says I am. I have what God says I have. I can do what God says I can do. Come on, God calls. So for your faith to walk in the steps of Abraham, he said one of those steps is you're going to have to start agreeing with God with what he says about you, about what he says about your situation. Woo, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Do we need to take another step? You ought to be happy you just got one step in today because some people never even take the first step. All right, let's try it again. I said most people never even take the first step. They'll read it there. But if you're going to take the first step, you're going to have to start calling things which be not as though they were in agreement with God's word. Woo! Let's try that again. Go, woo! <laughs> Come on, somebody said, if God would have been like most people in Genesis chapter 1, he would have said, sure is dark out here. <laughs> Instead, God said what? Light be. <laughs> Woo! Light be. What's he doing? He's calling. Things which be not as though they were. Boom, here's the light. This is a law of faith. It's a law of creation and a law of confession. It is a spiritual law, and it's the way God himself works. Amen. God cannot tell a lie because if he said it, it would be. All right, we got about a bunch of words here, so let's keep going forward. He caused things to be not as though they were. Praise the Lord. Verse 18, who against hope believed in hope. So other translations say, when it looked impossible, come on, you believe it is definitely possible. Amen? Are we going to have to cause you, make you go outside and go sit in the foyer? You're, is that thing talking back to me? I'm going to smash it. All right. So, sounds like the devil, didn't it? So, so, when it looked impossible, he believed it's possible that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Look at verse 19. And being not weak in faith. Y'all with me? Being not weak in faith, he did what? Considered not his own body. Look at this. Now dead, when he is about 100 years old, 
neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded what God had promised he is able also to perform. Man, you ought to start praising God. I mean, you can't, you don't have no silent faith. Come on, he started giving glory to God, praising God. Come on, magnifying God, <laughs> amen. But he being not weak in faith, in other words, apparently, some people say, well, you have faith, 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 you have faith all kinds of stuff. And we had so many scriptures against that ignorant stuff. Anyway, so you apparently can have faith and be weak in faith, or you can be strong in faith. All right, so being not weak in faith, he considered not, he considered not his own body. In other words, he considered not his ability to produce that. He considered not his own body. Well, I went to Bible college four years, so here we go. You got four years of debates, discussion, professors, right? And so you got one of the professors that he said, you know, because they're kind of, uh, the college I went to, university, really is against the faith message. So many negative things about the faith message. So I'm, I, I get plenty of time to argue. I mean, I can argue really every day in class with my professor. And if I could say it humbly, which I cannot. <laughs> I actually knew more about the subject than my professor. So I could win every argument. He said, why did you do that? Well, I didn't do it for my sake. I did it for those other 30, 40, 50 students in there to let them know, come on, that you, you don't have to necessarily just agree with what that professor said, even though he knows Greek and Hebrew. Listen, you can get victory in English. I don't know about you, I actually got saved in English. So you can actually get healed in English, amen. amen. You could overcome in English, right? So apparently didn't have to know Greek, come on. Amen. I got saved in English. So he won't go into all the Greek words, you know. I said, well, you're not even doing the English word. So here, here are the... So this professor wants to point out, so now he's going to throw, try to throw a wrench, you know, in the operation. He wants to point out. He said, now in the Greek, what it's really saying is that he did consider his own body. So I thought, now I don't know Greek, you know. I do like the, those little uh, Greek cookies. What do you call those Greek cookies? Baklava. Have you ever had Baklava. Oh, baklava is so good. I says, I, I do know baklava, but I don't know much about Greek. <laughs> so now I got to go study, right? So I got to go back through the different translations, you know, and, and study. So the best translation I found was simply this. Having considered his own body, then he considered it not. In other words, you're not ignorant. You can see situation. You can even see a mountain. Come on, Jesus said to say to the mountain. He didn't say there ain't no mountain. In other words, once you consider, once you consider, the word consider literally means that you meditate on and you study. So once he considered the situation, then he considered it not. 
So Dad Hagen was in a lot of pain one time, believing God for healing, and he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, well, Abraham considered not his own body. He said, well, I'm trying to do that, but when I'm hurting, it's hard to consider not my body. <laughs> he said, so what am I supposed to do? And the Lord took him to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, where it says, consider him, Jesus. And so to get your mind off your body and your problem, he said, you consider or study or meditate on Jesus or turn your eyes to the promises of God is what one translation says here. He turned his eyes to the promises of God. All right, let's try that one more time. He considered not his own body. In other words, he didn't keep studying. Some people Google, you know, their problem so they're very, they know more about their problem than they do about the promises. I mean, they're like, you know, my, our, um, our uh, Tony Caminetti, you know, married Trina's sister, Patsy. And so Tony, uh, what do you call it, a hypochondriac or something like that? So many like, when he was, uh, when he was little, he was a little kid. Um, and um, he uh, went to the doctor. You know, I've got this pain, this pain. I think it's this. I think it's this problem, Right. And he'd go to the doctor, have daddy take him to the doctor. And so, so he kept going to the doctor over all these pains. And he'd tell the doctor, I think I got this and I got that. And so the doctor finally looked at his dad and said, Does he, is he reading something or what is he doing? He said, yeah, we have like this doctor's medical book at our house. And he reads it all the time. The doctor said, take that book away from him and he'll be all right. So... <laughs> So why some people do it, you have studied, amen, you have studied it so much, come on. But he said, instead of doing that, I considered the promises of God. One translation says, I turned my eyes to the promises of God. What did he do? Let's finish reading. He says, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, about 100 years old, neither yet dead in his room. Look at verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So he tells you exactly what step you can take from being weak. So it didn't mean you don't have no faith. It's just your faith ain't strong enough to produce results. So he says, if you want to move from, from weak faith to strong faith, what did he do? He turned his eyes to the promises of God. Amen. So he's meditating, seeing with the eyes of his heart, actually u- using your spiritual imagination to see yourself the way God sees you. Come on, use your spiritual imagination. Turn his eyes to the promises of God. And then he became strong in faith by doing what? Giving glory to God. Giving glory to God. Giving glory to God. Giving glory to God. Come on. So Abraham continually giving glory to God. Giving glory to God. In other words, now my my focus is on God, God's ability, God's goodness, God's faithfulness, God's promises, and I give glory to God. Come on, I stagger not at the promise of God. Now, let's go. A lot of people stagger at the problem, but more people stagger at the promise. What do you mean you stagger at the promise? 
Man, I could read scriptures right, you know, you know me, I, I could do it right in the middle of an offering and say, God said he'll do that. And, and, and doubt if I did that, could that do that? Would that do that for me? Would that do that for me here? I don't see how God could ever do that. So they don't participate in the process. Praise the Lord. What are they doing? They're staggering at the promise. It's like, stagger. Well, I, I decided not to stagger. I decided to grab a cornstalk, swing out over hell, spit in the devil's eye. I actually told the Lord one time, I said, if this don't work, I'm going to tell everybody it don't work. So you can do it or not do it, but I'm doing my part. So if you want to do it, that'd be nice. But if you don't do it, I'm going to tell everybody that it don't work. He said, I'll take care of my side. All right. So, so I'm, I'm going to be a tither. I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to do some over and above. Come on. I'm going to do some sowing generously. In other words, why? Because I do not stagger at the promise that said, God will multiply my seed sown, make all grace abound towards me. My God shall supply all of my need according to his riches in glory because I decided to give once, and then I decided to go ahead and give again until we had more than enough. Woo, praise the Lord. All right, let's try that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, so he staggered not at the promise of God. Praise the Lord. But he gave glory to God, being fully persuaded. I love that fully persuaded. He passed the process of persuasion. To the settled conclusion. What is the process of persuasion? Fully persuaded. What was that process of persuasion? I'm calling things which be not as though they were. Come on. I turn my eyes to the promises of God and turn my attention away from my problem, and I'm looking unto Jesus, considering him, right? And then I'm going to get fully persuaded, giving glory to God. So sometimes while you're praising and giving glory to God, you pass through the process of persuasion to the settled conclusion. That the Lord is my provider. He is my healer. He's my redeemer. He is my righteousness. Come on now. I have settled that conclusion. In other words, my confession, my confession. So if you think about it, if you're in a, in a, in a court situation, you're in a court situation and the judge says, what do you say about these charges? What's your confession? This is the court, Right? So you would say what? Because they would say you got this accusation, that accusation. And you would say, I plead, I rest my case on the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. What's that? That's my confession. We'll have to get to that tomorrow morning. But my confession, I rest my case. So I'm going to agree with God, my advocate. The Holy Spirit, come on, my lawyer, and on the basis of the blood of Jesus, I rest my case. 
that I'm not only forgiven, I'm righteous, and I'm qualified for God's best blessings because of the blood. So Dad Hagen said, I'll give it a double, double whammy. I would say, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood. All right, let's try this out of here. In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood. What are you saying? That's my confession. I'm holding fast to it. <laughs> I believe and I speak in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood. Before the highest court in the land and the judge, boom, gavel comes down and says, your case is closed. It is done. Once you say it is done, Come on, the highest court in the land said, it is done. Come on, it's taken care of. All right, go to verse 24, and I'll finish this this morning. In other words, the saying part, we'll get back to that tomorrow morning. And he says in verse 24, what things soever you desire, when you pray, all right, whatever you desire when you pray. Listen, I was just a kid, practiced when I was a kid. Whatever you desire when you pray, believe you receive it. And you shall have it. One translation says, believe you have received it. Believe you got it. And you'll have it. In other words, the believing you receive it comes first. And then you shall have it. I believe I have received. Come on, healing for my body. From the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I believe I have received. The blessing of the Lord in my life, I believe I have received it. In other words, I'm not trying to get it. Jesus got it for me. I believe I have received it, and now my case rests with God. Fully persuaded what he has promised, he's able to perform. So now I believe I receive it before I have it. Praise the Lord. So what would you do? Give glory to God. Thank you, Lord. I believe I received it. Amen. My body, come on, from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, I want to thank you, Lord. Great is your faithfulness. Thank you for what your word says. Come on, I call things which be not as though they were. Come on, Jesus is my healer. Jesus is my healer. He's the great physician. And right now, I'm a whosoever. I have whatsoever I say. And I say, mountains, you've got to be removed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In my body, sickness and disease, you've got to get out of my body in the name of Jesus. Every devil, every demon harassing my mind in the name of Jesus. I break your assignment over my life. I command you to stop in your maneuvers and your operations right now concerning my mind, concerning my life, concerning my money. I declare the money will come. Satan, take your hands off my money. Go, angels, ministering spirit, and cause my money to come into me. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. The money will come. I believe I receive. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Stand up on your feet, stretch your legs. Let's give Lord thanks for that. Lord, we give you thanks. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your loving kindness, your tender mercy. Thank you for your faithfulness, your faithfulness through the blood covenant by the blood of Jesus. We will not be silent about that. We'll lift our voice in declaration day after day after day that we believe and we speak. That word is in our mouth. That word is in our heart. Thank you, Lord. We're fully persuaded, fully persuaded, fully persuaded. We consider not our own ability. We consider the promises of God. We turn our eyes to the promises of God, and we receive your word. 
Praise God. Praise God. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I call things which be not as though they were right now in my life. In the name of Jesus, in every area of my life, because of the blood. Oh, I declare the power of the blood of Jesus over my family, over my life. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Mountains have to be removed. Mountains, you got to move. You got to be removed, cast into the sea. Be, you disappear and never come back, and there'll be no evidence you were ever there in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on. My mountain hears my voice. I have authority as a believer. I am a whosoever. I have whatsoever in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Christ has redeemed me. I am redeemed. I am redeemed. He purchased my freedom with his own blood. Thank you, Lord. My faith, my confidence is in God. So I boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. The Lord is my redeemer. The Lord is my righteousness. The Lord is my healer. The Lord is right now, and I am, I am. I am, I believe I have received right now. I call things which be not as though they were. Come on, I call my body strong, my mind strong. Come on, I am strong. I'm strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. <laughs> I hold fast to my confession of faith without wavering, without wavering, for he is faithful. He is faithful, that promise. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I call my lungs strong and healed and healthy. Come on, your kidneys. Come on, your stomach, your bones, every part of your body from the top of your head to the soles of your feet right now. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God lives in me. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of me, dwells in me. Praise the Lord. He quickens. He gives life to my mortal body and every part of my body, every molecule in my body, every part of my body, quickened by the indwelling Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost living in me, dwelling in me. Woo. And by Jesus' stripes, I was healed. By his stripes, I was healed. By his stripes, I was healed. I call myself healed. If, his, if I was healed by his stripes, I am healed now. By his stripes, I am healed. I am healed. Healing is mine. I believe I have received it, that Jesus is my Lord. I'm holding fast to my confession of faith. Woo. And nothing shall be impossible unto me. All right, I said nothing shall be impossible unto me. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Nothing shall be impossible. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Woo! Praise God. Hallelujah. Ha, 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 ha. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can sit down for a minute. Anybody learn anything today? Somebody raise your hand. Tell me what you learned today. Raise your hand if you learn anything. I'm going to have to go over this again, I guess. guess huh? Move it. Move it. If the mountain's in the way, move it. Say, <laughs> get out of the way. Move it. So you can't stay there. You're going to have to move. In the name of Jesus. 
Yes, sir. If you agree with God, you're speaking about. If you agree with God, then that word has to be in your mouth. That's your confession. So they're asking people how they're feeling. What do you ask them? What's your confession? Yes, sir. It's God's will for you to have the mountain that you wouldn't have told you. If God's will for you to have that mountain, <laughs> he wouldn't tell you to move it. We've <laughs> got so many funny ideas. Oh, the Lord brought you a mountain. No, the Lord didn't bring you no mountain. He told you to move the mountain. Must not have come from the Lord. Yes, ma'am. If I'm living by faith, then I'm living by my confession. If you live by faith, you must live by your confession of faith. You cannot separate confession from faith. Yes, ma'am. You got to talk to it. Talk to it. It got to move. I'm talking to you. Come on. Uh, anything that influences you, want to say something? You're going to have to move your mouth. Come on. You're going to have to move your mouth. You have to move your mouth. Amen. It's your mountain. Don't talk to me about it. <laughs> Jesus said, you talk to it. You talk to way too many people about it. And now you better talk to it. <laughs> I said, you better talk to it, that mountain. You talk to it. You have that authority. Amen. You could have uh, doubts come to your mind, but he said, you believe in your heart. Which other translations, it says you don't entertain doubt. In other words, doubt can come. He says, I refuse to entertain that in the name of Jesus. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. As though they were. Consider not. Consider this. Right? And give glory to God. I'm going through the process of persuasion to the settled conclusion. That it's mine, I have it now. All right, anybody else? Oh, yes, ma'am, I'm sorry. But there will be no evidence it was there. You'll have to give your testimony. Come on, you'll be so blessed. Come on, redeemed. That you'll have to tell people you used to have that problem. Every time the woman of the issue of blood testified, you'll say, is that you? Yes, that, that, that's what I was, <laughs> Hey, uh, yes, ma'am. God calls things which be not as though they were. God calls me things, no evidence it exists, but his word is my evidence. Did you raise your hand? Yeah. Yeah, uh, the authority of the believer is not just available, it's necessary. One of the great things about <clears throat> living by faith is that um, on the, at the onset, you use your faith. Amen. Amen. So the example of that I always give is about David's mighty men, and one of them fought for the beans. And everybody else left. So you'd think, why would you want to fight for beans? You could lose your life over beans. You can always grow more beans. So you would think you would run like everybody else and then believe for some better beans. Not butter beans. But. <laughs> so you'd run. But David's mighty man, why did he fight for the beans? So I was reading that and asked the Lord, 
Well, why don't you fight over the beans? And the Lord said, what? He said, if you let the devil get your beans, he ain't stopping there. He's coming after your taco, your burrito, and your whole Mexican dinner. So in other words, so sometimes when the devil comes after your beans, you better deal with him at the bean department. You know what I mean? You better deal with him at the bean department because he's coming after your taco and your burrito. Hallelujah. I, I forgot the rest of the other names. Maybe you can write them down for me. Taco, burrito, chimichanga. I don't know what all the rest of them are. But he's coming after your beans, your taco, burrito. He's coming after <laughs> your enchiladas. I should have threw that in there. Anyway, what you want to say? Yeah. And your dad said, well, well, if the devil can back you down on that, what else can he back you down on? Yeah, because I, I established, uh, me and Trina had established to be 30% givers of every dollar that came into our hands. And at that time, all the money we had came in through the ministry. So we weren't giving off of some lesser amount like ministry brought in, you know, 5000 I only make 800 so I only have to give 30% of 800 Now, I did the higher amount. <laughs> I said, we're going to get 30% off of every dollar comes into the whole ministry. Well, that's quite a bit now. So 30%, but back in those days, it wasn't a lot uh, as much as it is today. But when, when we started, we were going there, boy, I had like a season where things got tight financially. And so I'm standing on the promises of God, but I do have my dad, spiritual father, so I'm, I'm going to talk to one person. I ain't going to talk to 38 people. I'm going to talk to him. And so he got quiet. I said, Dad, it's really tough now. You think I have to keep doing 30% because it's not really required. I know 10% is required and offerings required, but not 30%. So maybe I just back down, you know, maybe 15 or 20%, and I'll do that until I get a little breathing space, you know, and then I'll go back to 30%. So, so my daddy got real quiet. And, um, you know, you don't tell anybody they have to do anything because it's really my decision to do it. So God wouldn't have been mad at me if I backed down. Come on, I tell people all the time. So I, you know, I'm going to do this, but I can't do it. I said, no problem. Just whatever you have faith to do, just do that. But my dad got quiet, and he said, if you let the enemy back you down now, what else will you have to back down from? So I just thought about it. I thought, okay, thanks. And then I started using my authority. I said, devil, you ain't backing me down. You almost want to cuss him, you know. You ain't backing me down. I got the promises of God here. Come on, I'm acting on the word of God in this generosity issue. I got the promises of God here. And so I started using my authority. Satan, take your hands off my money. Go angels, ministering spirits, cause my money to come in. Praise Lord. Once I just held my ground, then he backed down and I got my harvest. <laughs> Come on, you have to you have to you have to use your faith in your sowing and use your faith in your reaping. Come on. And uh, uh amen, and the promises of God will still work, but but if you if you want to back down, so sometimes even people back down off a of tithe, and I never tell people you can do that, but you can't control them. I mean, I had people come in my office when I was pastor and they'd They'd come to me because they knew I'm pretty strong on the subject, and they'd come to me and say, I, I cannot tithe. 
Well, he's a pretty successful business guy, you know. I cannot tithe. So I think uh, I asked him, I said, how much is your tithe per month? He said, well, I got, you know, what, four kids or something. And my tithe every month is like $600 or something like that. I said, that's your tithe? You cannot afford to tithe? No. So I got my checkbook out. I wrote him a check, $600. I said, here, go pay your tithe. <laughs> I paid his tithes for him. I said, now you work at it for next month. If you need me to give you another 600, I'll give you another next 600. You say, how come you got the money? Because I'm a tither. <laughs> so people say, I, I can't afford to tithe. I said, it's because you don't. Because <laughs> if you did, you could afford it. <laughs> Unless you're crazy spending money. Anyway, but praise the Lord. Amen. So you don't let him back you down at the onset. It, when the thought starts, come on, or the pain starts, say, whoop, let me deal with this. And if you're lazy, you're just not going to get the same results than if you get it right off. Amen? All right, anybody else want to say anything? Because we covered a bunch of stuff. Yes, ma'am? What'd you say? All right, good. There's no such thing as silent faith. 